Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 22, verses 1 through 25, called The Valley of Vision. You as a spiritual person, you know how to appraise value because hopefully your eyes are looking through the lens of eternal things. And ultimately what you want to do is you want to have God's eyes. You want to have God's eyes for situations, people, priorities, all those things. But God through Isaiah is saying, why why don't you have the right eyes right now? Why can't you see what's going on? Why can't you make a proper discerning judgment on the times that you live in? Jesus said you can look at the sky and you can predict the weather, but you don't know how to understand the signs of the times. You don't know how to read the writing on the wall. That's the idea here. So what's the matter? Why are you up there? And many believe that as they study this passage that they're up there celebrating, that they're practicing, uh, they're, they're partying, they're practicing what we would call escapism. It looks dark out there, so rather than you know, making proper provision and, and making sure that things are going to be right and we're, we've planned right and we're going to protect that which we love, all they're doing is drowning their sorrows. Escapism. Americans are famous for it. As, as a matter of fact, it's largely what we do anymore. Sometimes we don't want to deal with reality, so what we do is we try to escape from it. And we call those our medicines. Uh, one person's medicine is the TV, and another person's medicine is drugs, and another person's medicine is alcohol, and another person's medicine is uh, pornography, and another person's medicine, and it's all about escapism. Now, look, I'm human. There are some times when I, I'll admit, I want to just veg out. I need a day off. God has allowed me to have some time to rest. But people who practice escapism, that is, they don't want to face reality and they live most of their life trying to escape that which is right before them so they don't have to deal with it, they're lost. They're living in a fantasy world and the world will give you as much fantasy as you can afford. As long as you can pay for it. As long as you have room on your credit card and they can get your money, you can keep on gambling You can keep on buying pornography. You can keep on buying liquor. You can keep on trying to drown your sorrows. And God says, but you're up on the roof and you don't see. You're right in the middle of the city of God and you can't see. I got my prophet saying to you, take a look around and you can't see. You, verse 2, who are full of noise. I told you this is a burden. (laughs) You boisterous town, you exultant city, you're slain. We're not slain with the sword, nor did they die in battle. Uh, NIV says, O town full of commotion, O city of tumult and revelry, your slain were not killed by the sword, nor did they die in battle. All your rulers, verse 3, have fled. It's not like they took a stand for the city. It's not like they saw, and many see maybe uh, the attack of Shennacherib, which is around the, uh, 701, uh, somewhere in there, where he's coming down with the Assyrians. Others see the eventual uh, invasion of Nebuchadnezzar, and some see kind of a general statement of attacks on Israel and that which attacked the spiritual nature of the uh, country. 
But notice when something happens, when they're under the threat, what did the rulers do? They ran away, verse 3. And they had been captured without the bow. It's like they didn't even put up a fight. All of you who were found were uh, taken captive together, though they had fled far away. They tried to run away, but it didn't matter. They were caught anyway. Is that what you want to do? You want to run away to the next place so you can try to set up shop, only to have it happen again? At some point, you've got to plant your flag and say, I'm going to take a stand right here. You know, I'm going to live for the right things right here. Therefore, I say, now this is Isaiah talking. Notice the prophet. Notice his burden. Turn your eyes away from me and let me weep bitterly. Do not try to comfort me concerning the destruction of the daughter of my people. In essence, Isaiah says, as he looks at all of this, as he has to speak the heavy burdens, he says, just don't even look at me right now. Just please turn your eyes away. I just want to cry. Don't try to comfort me. Don't put a hand on my shoulder. I don't want to hear it. Because the daughter, notice, of my people is going to be destroyed. She won't look to the only true source of her intervention, and therefore, all I can do is cry. All the prophet can do is weep over the condition because he knows he can't change it. All he can do is bring the message, but he can't convert the soul. That's God's mystery tied in with man's free will, and we could talk about that for the next couple hours. But ultimately, God holds these people accountable. And Isaiah is weeping. Remember when Jesus was, uh, I believe at this point he's carrying the cross, he turned and he said, daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breast that never nursed. And then they will begin to say to the mountains, Luke twenty three thirty, fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in the green tree, what will happen in the dry? See, Jesus is saying, look, if people can do this when I'm here, if they can do this when the, the, the true light is among them, what will happen when I'm not? Verse 5. For the Lord God of hosts has a day of panic, 5, subjugation and confusion in the valley of vision, a breaking down of walls and a crying to the mountain. If you have an NIV, it reads this way, The Lord, the Lord Almighty, has a day of tumult and trampling and terror in the valley of vision, a day of battering down walls and of crying out to the mountains. This is scary. Notice in verse 5 it says, The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is one of God's names. And uh, it means the one who is surrounded by the heavenly host. It sometimes pictures the angelic forces with God coming in power and great authority. And it's as if Isaiah is saying, look, don't you realize that ultimately the armies that are coming in, God could have dealt with in a microsecond? All you had to do was cry out to him. Uh, he asked you earlier on, just ask him and he'll intervene. He'll, he'll tell you God with us. Remember Emmanuel, we studied that in chapter 7. Just ask, but they wouldn't ask. And the sin of Israel and the surrounding nations is this sin. It's very important to understand this. It is that salvation is from us. We can save ourselves. We don't need God. We got this. We're good. 
It's only those poor fools who really need God. We're going to find a way. We'll find it through alliances. We'll find it through worshiping idols. We'll find it through something. But we're not going to look to that God of Israel. We're not going to look to that faithful Lord of hosts, who, uh, the Exodus God who brought us out of Egypt with a powerful hand and delivered us from foreign armies again and again and again, caused us to circle Jericho and the walls fell down. Now we're not looking to him anymore. We are too sophisticated. Do you know why people don't come to Jesus Christ? Do you know why people don't come to the cross? Well, we're told in 1 Corinthians 1. For Greeks, they think the cross is foolishness. They're too sophisticated. For Jews, the cross is a stumbling block because they think they're too good. Has anything changed in the world? Jews stumble over the stumbling stone because they think they can inherit righteousness by either their pedigree or their works. And Greeks think they're too sophisticated. I don't need that. How can a man dying 2,000 years? We've all heard it before. Nothing has changed. And the ultimate idolatry for Isaiah is that right in the valley of vision where God gives supernatural revelation, the people can't see that there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's it. I don't know. I think we're going to evolve and be a, a hyper special species one day and someday we'll fly to planet three, two, five, six, seven, eight, and there we'll build an alternate civilization and what? No, when you f- find a way to fly to planet three, two, five, seven, eight, you're going to find a being who was there way before you've ever been there. And the plan will not change. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power, dunamis, of God. And Elam took up the quiver, six, with the chariots, infantry, horsemen, and Kerr uncovered the shield. The uh, covering of Judah was removed here so that there's no peace is the idea. Elam and Kerr are lands uh, that had representatives in the Assyrian army that besieged Jerusalem. Elam was to the east of Babylon through Isaiah's period. They were independent powers allied to Babylon against Assyria. It says in verse 7, Then your choicest valleys were full of chariots. Here's all the uh, armament of war. The horsemen took up fixed positions at the gate. The valleys are filling up with troops. And he removed the defense, defense of Judah, that is God. In that day, you depended on the weapons of the house of the forest. Write this down. 1 Kings 10.17 says of Solomon, he made 300 shields of beaten gold using three minyas of gold on each shield and the king, that is Solomon, put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. These were the backup weapons. This was the, the closet where the rifles are. This was the place, the secret stash of weapons. And God says, I've removed your shield. These people are coming what are you going to do? And they said, we're going to find that secret stash of weapons. That's what we'll do. We'll lean upon the weapons of our warfare. We'll depend. Look at verse 8, end of the verse. You depended on the weapons of the house of the forest. You saw that the breaches in the wall, uh, you saw that the breaches in the wall of the city of David were many, and you collected the waters of the lower pool. And then you counted the houses of Jerusalem, and you tore down houses to fortify the wall. Write down in your Bible, We're in your notes, 2 Chronicles 32, verses 1 through 5. 
Second Chronicles 32, 1 through 5, where this is exactly what they did when uh, Shennacherib was coming with the Assyrian forces. They looked at the situation. They saw holes in the walls. They knocked down some houses to breach the holes or to fix them, thinking that somehow we'll be able to stay off these forces. We'll sacrifice some things because we know we can hold up. You made a reservoir. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. This was the the closet where the rifles are. This was the place, the secret stash of weapons. And God says, I've removed your shield. These people are coming. What are you going to do? And they said, we're going to find that secret stash of weapons. That's what we'll do. We'll lean upon the weapons of our warfare. We'll depend. Look at verse 8, end of the verse. You depended on the weapons of the house of the forest. You saw that the breaches in the wall, uh, you saw that the breaches in the wall of the city of David were many, and you collected the waters of the lower pool. And then you counted the houses of Jerusalem, and you tore down houses to fortify the wall. Write down in your Bible or in your notes, 2 Chronicles 32, verses 1 through 5. 2 Chronicles 32, 1 through 5, where this is exactly what they did when uh, Shennacherib was coming with the Assyrian forces. They looked at the situation. They saw holes in the walls. They knocked down some houses to breach the holes or to fix them, thinking that somehow we'll be able to stay off these forces. We'll sacrifice some things because we know we can hold up. And you made a reservoir. Look at 11. Between the two walls for the waters of the old pool. This is pointing now to Hezekiah's tunnel. But you did not depend on him who made it, nor did you take into consideration him who planned it long ago. The Lord was unsought, unrecognized. The people would not look to their maker. Now look at wars that have happened in the world. Sometimes victories of certain armies have been inexplicable. Look at the 1967 war with Israel basically being outgunned, outnumbered, and somehow they win a victory. How do they win that victory? Because God has a plan. And what God is saying is, behind all of this, did you not recognize in the valley of vision that I had planned these things long ago? That it was me that was behind all of this, that it was me that allows certain things to happen, foreign armies to break what you believe is an impenetrable bubble, to get your attention that you might depend upon me. This has been the history of God. At some point, he says, if you won't pay attention, I will do something very intentional to get you to do so. And sometimes we think, ah, but things are changed now. No, they haven't changed. We have a nation today, it's a little more than 200 years old. We care about the nation. But we know that the root and the foundation, whatever you want to say today about the nation, about where America's heart is, we know where it started. We know there were a bunch of people who wanted religious freedom. We knew 
that there were a bunch of the signers and the people involved in the original documents that were sold out believing Christians, the majority of them. The root and foundation was God. The Ten Commandments, teaching the children English through the Bible, having the Bible be the main textbook. You can't go to Washington, D.C. without seeing Scripture everywhere. They were holding church services in some of those main buildings. Some of the original leaders of the country were outright born-again Christians. And now if somebody runs on a platform where they may not only believe, but they actually evangelize, well, they can't be president. Why not? Because they're too conservative. You mean they actually do what they believe? I'd rather have somebody like that than someone claiming to be a Christian who wants to get the Christian vote in office. Amen? I'd rather have somebody who says, yeah, I'm a Christian and I do all the things that Christians are told to do in the Scripture, as opposed to just give lip service to the fact that they're a Christian. But you can't do that today because rhetoric labels you. Oh, now you're this. Oh, really? And now we can't say Jesus Christ in the public square. Why? We got to say, we got to use a more neutral term. Why? Oh, because then what? What will happen then? Well, then you'll be saying the name of Jesus publicly. Yeah. Well, people don't like that. What people? I don't know, but they're out there somewhere. (laughs) Therefore, in that day, the Lord God of hosts called you to weeping. Can you imagine being called to weeping? To wailing, middle of 12. To shaving the head or tearing out your hair. Some of you might want to mark that. Probably moms <laughs> want to mark that verse. <laughs> and to the wearing of sackcloth. Instead, now this is what I called you to. I called you to actually mourn because There's a time, Ecclesiastes 3, to mourn. But instead, what did you do? Instead, there is gaiety and gladness, killing of cattle and slaughtering of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. And the people say, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Hey, well, let's do everything that we can do. We'll look for the secret weapons. We'll Try to fix the walls. We'll, we'll reroute the water. Well, did you ever think that maybe God put you in a city where you'd have to depend upon Him by faith and you didn't need to build the tunnel for, to redirect the water because God wants to leave you in a place where you have to lean on Him all the time? No, I don't like that. I like weapon stashes and water where I can get to it. And when we are forced to live by faith, that is uncomfortable. Because then we can't lean on us. We've got to lean on someone else's understanding. Do you see how deeply self-salvation runs in us? It's not the other guy. It's us. We're more comfortable there. We, we like the idea of faith. We like the idea of Christianity. We like the idea of seeing God's arm move, but not when it makes it us, us uncomfortable. Not when he puts us right to the edge of a Red Sea and says, then you're going to have to trust that I'm going to part it. Not when he puts us in front of a Jordan and says, you step in with that ark and then I'll do it. Uh." Not when he says, just walk around the city seven days, blow some trumpets and a couple hallelujahs. What kind of plan is that? We got to do something here. Yeah, obey. And I'll do the rest. 
I don't know. I think we'll do everything that we can do, and then we'll get a little meat, we'll get a little wine, and we'll sing a song. Let us eat, let us drink, for tomorrow we die. We'll party like it's whatever year. That's our solution. Did you know that in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul quotes Isaiah twenty two thirteen? Look familiar to you? It's found in the most famous chapter on resurrection in the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians 15. Go there for a second. 1 Corinthians 15. So in your New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 15. If you want to learn about the resurrection, this is your chapter. Study it because it is a complete treatment on resurrection. But to cut to the chase and to look at the, the quote, here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 32. Oh, go back. <laughs> 31. I protest, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, brethren, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. 1 Corinthians 15, 32. If from human motives... I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. What does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink. For tomorrow, we die. If there is no resurrection, why did I deal with Demetrius the silversmith and his big group trying to beat me up and get me kicked out and whatever? Why would I ever take a risk for the gospel? Why would the Apostle Paul, pray tell, go all over the Roman world at his own life in peril if there's no resurrection. You've been listening to The Valley of Vision, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 22, verses 1 through 25. And if you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to connect with our listeners, and that means you. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team a letter. We love mail. You can get all the contact information at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. Are you ready? You can write Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. You may be asking the question, is this prophecy still ahead of us or has it already happened? Well, remember that Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed Jerusalem in 586 BC. That's the immediate fulfillment of Isaiah's Valley of Vision oracle. And then we know, of course, uh, the temple was rebuilt in the time of Nehemiah, and Herod then uh, you know, extended that, Herod's great temple. But here's what we do know then. The Roman armies under Titus Vespasian in 70 AD destroyed Jerusalem again. And as you well know, I think most of us know this, it was never rebuilt again. That is, the temple being destroyed, never rebuilt again. Now, Jerusalem is inhabited today, and the people of Israel actually do have control of Jerusalem, uh, though they have, uh, as a gesture of peace, they gave up some of that control. But they did recapture Jerusalem in 1967. And so, while the immediate fulfillment was 586 B.C., uh, we do know that 
It happened again in 70 AD. And uh, as we look at the prophetic future, Jerusalem will be at the center once again. And that's what the Bible teaches us in many places, including 2 Thessalonians 2, Matthew 24, and uh, the book of Revelation, I would argue, in other places. So anyway, um, that's the quick answer to the question as we deal with these amazing prophecies in the book of Isaiah. Think about prophecy. It's God telling history before it happens, given history in advance so you can know the Word of God is the Word of God and that the God of the Word is the true God. Amen? Well, here we are on a Friday, and this is Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, I would love to meet you. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, I have the privilege of being the senior pastor at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We're right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. We do two services on Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. We're going through the amazing book of Exodus, verse by verse, very powerful. We also have a Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. each Wednesday as we go through different books of the Bible as well. We have many amazing Bible studies, youth ministries, children's ministry, a lot going on. The best way to find out more about the church driving directions and info is to go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. Walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. And it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah 22, verses 1 through 25, called The Valley of Vision. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.